0: You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the writer and director for Come On, Come On, Mike Mills.
1: To visit planet Earth, you will have to be born as a human child. At first, you will have to learn to use your new body to move your arms and legs. You will learn to walk and run, to use your hands to make sounds and form words. There will be so much for you to learn and so much for you to feel. Sadness, joy, disappointment, and wonder. You will grow up, travel, and work. Over the years, you will try to make sense of that happy, sad, full, always shifting life you're in. And when the time comes to return to your star, it may be hard to say goodbye to that strangely beautiful world. Damn this book.
2: You're crying. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're definitely crying. Say you're crying. (laughs)
0: Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today about your latest film, Come On, Come On. How are you doing today?
2: I'm good. We had our our LA premiere last night and our LA dance party. So I'm a little uh, sore and a little hungover, but it's working so far for the interviews.
0: When when it was playing at New York Film Fest, I was at the after party uh, for that as well. And I saw that you were a killer on that dance floor.
2: So (laughs) I know exactly what you're referring to. (laughs) Uh me and Gabby and Andrea Longacre White, our producer, um, we love to dance and mom everyone, and so we it's become sort of a thing for us. Love that. Love that. Yeah, yeah.
0: So in talking about Come on Come on here, um, the first thing I want to first start off by asking is beginners very much is about your father, 20th century women about your mother. And you've said before that come on come on is uh, very much about the relationship with your son and I'm curious to know you know with this reoccurring theme is mm. this the end of an unofficial trilogy or is this something that you're interested in exploring in fervor projects like is there a, is there a cousin or something that I that we don't know
2: about <laughs> um and I've kind of run out of family numbers, yeah. Uh, so uh, I don't know how that's gonna work out and my kid, my kid is non-binary, a uh, they them person. So I always oh, call okay. him a kid. And no everyone knows that, but um, gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't plan on this, you mm-hmm. know. And it only started because my dad, because uh, my dad, when when he was dying, was such a flamboyant, awesome, uh, big, grandiose soul, right? Mm-hmm. And and I could actually say to him as he's doing all this crazy stuff and like just having this, you know, like um gay adolescence at 75 right i could say to him you know pop i i gotta make a movie out of this like it, you're just so intense and so interesting and like you're so tied into history and like the personal is the political and my dad could be like great you know like my dad could like and i knew that my dad's spirit even when he was gone would kind of love this like he he liked he would like the attention right mm-hmm. so my dad's spirit gave me permission to start this kind of work which i'm not sure i would have started this is I'm not really this brave. And then I grew to really love that. Or I felt like it was my best bet to make a good movies by reporting on someone I know and love at a real close range. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what I'm going to do next. I have a dog. There's a nice dog sitting right there. I might make a a (laughs) dog or something. (laughs) Uh, Well, Come On, Come On is
0: also uh, your first black and white Feature film as well, and it's also the um, first time that you're working with cinematographer uh, Robbie Ryan as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm curious to know when the decision was made to shoot this in black and white. What was the what What was the impulse behind the decision, and how was that different than shooting uh, previously
2: in color? Mm. It came from the very beginning. Like oh. uh, I kind of saw. And, you know, I wrote it in black and white. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, uh, I saw that image of like the child and the adult, like walking through different cities and walking through different landscapes, which to me kind of means parenthood, right? It's like you take a kid's hand and you walk them out into the world and you try to like make the world habitable for them. And that to me is like a mythological image, right? The little person and the big person, it's like mm-hmm. a fable. And I feel like black and white Uh, releases us from verisimilitude you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because you're not living it's not the it's not the way we see the world and it immerses you in a very sort of artistic more like a more like a drawing version Mm -hmm. of the world and that gave me like a lot of room to like support the fable part to me you know and um i also feel like black and white creates like a softness or like, I think of it as like sati piano music, you know? Do you know sati? Like very Mm -hmm. sparse piano music. It's like less media coming at you. It's less stuff to neurologically digest. So you have like more room, I feel like to enter it, to kind of move around. And to me, it's like more spacious in a way that I'm always craving in films. So it came from the very beginning. And then Robbie, you know, was into that idea. I met Robbie much later and Robbie was just so good at, um, we didn't shoot it really differently. We use like, uh, like all my films, lots of natural light, everything that's interior is like practical. It's like very minimal, very minimal yeah. gear. And I think black and white loves that like natural light, very, very light touch, not, not like rimlet. I think people think black, and white, you have to like do all those lighting tricks to differentiate foreground and background. We didn't do anything like that. Hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah now I I get what you're saying too, and all the, all the stuff that you just used to describe uh, the choice behind black and white. I'm also wondering too if that's uh, something that's also influenced uh, your use of music in your movies as well. Mm-hmm. Because totally. The, I was gonna say yeah, the score like this 20th century women. Uh, it, they they have like this very ethereal, soothing. Like I could fall asleep <laughs> listening to the calming sounds of the of this of these scores. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Can you talk about the Dresner brothers, working with them and the collaboration that you had
2: here and coming up with the score for Come On, Come On? Uh, it was a long process. And luckily I got to know them on the, I did this long project with them, right? Made a long short film for them and then ended up working with them on their record. I was like a producer on their last record. So that really helped. We had this like real nice relationship and they're friends. Yeah. All the woodwind stuff. Like, mm-hmm. You know, like the, the that Claire de Lune played by saxophone, the San Francisco Saxophone Quartet, that became like a real interesting model for us and the score work we did, yeah. because it's 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 reinforcing that like classic idea, like a, it's almost like a classic kids film or is a very sort of out of our time, old rendering of I don't know uh, uh, a theme we often call childhood, right? Mm-hmm. Like that Claire de Lune, and and. I like that, I liked embracing that sort of iconic quality, but it's also when it's played with the saxophone it's like the breath is like so organic and human and like present and it's like breathing, you know. So um, Bryce um, composed that and Aaron did all the synth work around it and it took a lot of work it's very minimal and kind of like simple feeling and it's but it's really the, the heart and soul of the movie. Like it's really telling you the heart of the movie to me.
0: Yeah, no, it it definitely helps with the emotion of it all and really gives, like as I was mentioning earlier, just this really calm soothing effect. It really helps to wash over you. I got to ask about the cast here and I want to first start off with, of course, uh, Woody Norman because Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine how many kids you must have seen for this. Mm -hmm. And he is extraordinary in this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously then when you hear him open his mouth and you hear that this British accent come out, then you're just like, wait, what? So what was it about him amongst the hundreds, maybe even thousands, I don't know, kids that you might've uh, seen for this that made you go, he's
2: the one? Um, Well, it's not like a single thing. So also here's the other crazy thing. Uh, You know, you sent out a casting Call right, and mm-hmm. you get your first round. And we we did a lot, a lot of our budget towards casting. We thought it would take a very long time, and you know all that. Woody was like kid number two, kid number You're three. You're kidding, yeah. And then that same, same thing having, like, oh, let's get that kid in. He was amazing. Oh, he's in Britain. He's in London. Oh, he's, he's on holiday. Well, when's he coming back? No, no, he lives there. Oh, he's an American. That no, 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 he's British. Like, <laughs> what? You know? And then um, we did have to look at a lot of kids because we had all these issues around um, Woody's visa and, and in Trump times, getting him able to work here, we weren't sure it was actually going to work out. Wow. So the film, you know, like A24 and everyone, understandably asked me to just keep looking. So I did, you know, keep looking, but Woody was always the first choice. And wow. It's it's largely because Woody's really smart. Um, mm-hmm. Woody is able to hold his presence without being performative, mm-hmm. but being like ready, willing, able, responsive, and interacting with the actor without like a lot of camera consciousness or any. Like he's weirdly able to just click off. That he's in his set and be in cohabitation with the other actor and not perform. And he understands that. And I don't yeah. know if it's from his mom Vonda, who's a big part of our film family or what. He's just and he does it in interviews. Like we've just been doing press or like Q and A's. And I feel like a performing monkey next to him. No offense to monkeys, but like he's just so authentic and not like doing anything to please you or to like win you over, but he's very perceptive and very honest. And I felt like that's exactly what was happening on the set. What just happened this Q and A kind of disarmingly there without like trying super hard at it. So that that was the main call. And it, funny as fuck. I mean, I just shouldn't say that about a 10, 11, 12 now, but like <laughs> Joaquin's really funny too and Joaquin will like you know pepper you with like barrage you with little Woody can keep up with just anything. Woody's Mm -hmm. just can and that's part of their bouncing off back and forth fun with each other. Yeah.
1: Hey Hey there.
2: I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Sleepover Cinema. Cinema. Our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking
0: about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to re-watch them. And review
2: them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.
0: I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of Joaquin, I'm also very curious to know, coming off of a role uh, as demanding as Joker was for him, was there a conversation between the two of you about I need to do something completely the opposite and or, or was it just you knew that he could tap into that tender, soothing side that we've seen from him in other roles before. Uh,
2: what well, Just what were those preliminary conversations like? Well, I didn't know he'd done Joker when I reached out to him. Like, it wasn't in my consciousness. So they mm-hmm. had shot it and were editing it. And I should know better. It's, like, on his IMDb. But, I, <laughs> I was, you know, I just didn't know and didn't care. And I still haven't seen it, to be honest, because mm-hmm. it's, like, It was too much of an ex lover for me to deal with. So I was just like, I'm (laughs) I'm not going to even know you exist. Yeah. Um, And no, Joaquin doesn't really think like that. That would be like too superficial for him. Be like, oh, I did this. I'm going to do that. He has Mm -hmm. to have like a much deeper connection. And, you know, when he first came to meet me, it was really sweet. But he was like, you know, I just, I don't see a way in. Like, I don't know how to do this, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of like, Okay, but then he kept asking questions. And I think it's really this. I think his process is probably like this in all of his films, you know? Yeah. And it was a long process of us sitting at this table, going over the script and just like talking. And the thing that glued it all together, kept it going, is so we like talking to each other. Like we, and about this kind of stuff, about like families and, and the complexities and the layers and just human behavior. Like we have like similar interests and we like to laugh. So like, we would just crack up a lot. And it was like that simple as that, yeah. you
0: know? Totally. And yeah. I love that he could be that versatile of an actor. He's one of the best of our generation for sure. Um, mm. The interviews that are conducted in this movie, I found to be very emotional, highly engaging, but the thought that kept occurring to me while I was watching it over and over was, are these scripted or are yeah. these genuine? And did he actually interview these people and just wing it? So I want to know for, sh- I want to know hearing from you now, what was the case sure. with those interviews? Cause they're they're amazing
2: yeah no they're all I couldn't write that they're all they're all um you know non-actor kids that we found in each city and joaquin's starting off with a list of questions that mm-hmm. that I wrote and and of course he's in a conversation like Joaquin's really good at like being present for the kid being totally listening with respect and interest and deep curiosity and that's what makes them the interview is good same with Molly Webster from from radio lab so that like she she knows that, um, but that that's, uh, no, they're totally um, real, whatever you want to call it. They're yeah. real documentary interviews.
0: I mean, either way, it's impressive as hell because- well, they if just I wrote those, that would be really impressive. Either way, either way. The emotional impact I love, I, is all that matters. <laughs> to me, it's
2: part of the film I'm most excited about that I include, mm. that I had these different textures that had a film that has a documentary practice and documentary results. Mixed in with the narrative, I feel like that was the funnest director move I did on, on this film, and it's, so it's really important that they're real kids and their real voice and all that, and so much more interesting. and And it's kind of the point I'm making of decentering my authorial voice, right, and wanting to listen and include rather than write. You know? Yeah, totally.
0: And I think that the message that the movie gives is a very strong and powerful one that hopefully audiences will take with them as they move forward into the future as well. So Mm. Mike, thank you so, so much for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Have a good rest of your day. Okay, same to you. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to my interview with Mike Mills, the writer and director for Come On, Come On here on the next Best Picture podcast. Come On, Come On is currently playing in theaters and limited release from A24.